0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I talk with Dr. Lucy Slininski, a psychiatrist at Cal Psychiatry. Dr. Slininski is board-certified in adult psychiatry through the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. She completed her psychiatry residency training at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. From there, she completed a psychiatry fellowship at UCLA Neuropsychiatric Institute with a specialization in mood disorders. She completed an additional board certification through the American Board of Integrated holistic medicine. Dr. Slininski has experience in a variety of clinical settings in both the public and private sectors, including working with military veterans at the West LA VA Medical Center, community psychiatry, and private practice. She also has been part of the UCLA faculty as a clinical instructor for UCLA medical students and psychiatry residents. Today, we talk about the psychiatric visit in order to demystify and bring clarity to the process for those considering visiting a psychiatrist. Welcome, Dr. Slininski. Thank you. You are one of the newest psychiatrists to join the Cal Psychiatry team. I know you've been in practice for quite a while, and I think that today, a really beneficial topic could be the discussion about what a psychiatric evaluation entails and what someone might expect from seeing a psychiatrist.
1: Yeah, I like you said, I've been doing this for a little bit, and I have noticed, especially when people, when I do see people for that first visit that there's a lot of fear that comes into it before they land in the actual office or video or whatever format we're meeting. And very often I kind of hear like, okay, that, was, that wasn't that was so bad or that wasn't so painful. You know, everybody is different in how what brings them, you know, to meet with a psychiatrist. For every person, I think there's a different story and different set of circumstances that we talk about. And that's part of, you know, having that meeting. But, but I think there are general questions that we as psychiatrists usually ask, right? I mean, I I think everyone has a little bit of a different style, but you know, there's some just basic, some of it's basic information gathering.
0: So I guess that leads me to the question of as a psychiatrist, what is your goal in terms of the, your first visit with somebody?
1: So I think part of it is just meeting someone, again, whether it's in person or or via video. You know, we can have people, right, just fill out questionnaires, which which we do, right? We have people fill out scales and rating scales, and those are very useful at times. But I think my goal in that first meeting is just sitting with the person face-to-face or video-to-video and just getting a sense of where they are what got them here what landed them in the office and then there is quite a bit of information that we want to get on that first meeting look they're they're time limited and depending who you're meeting with you know it can be anywhere from you know 40 minutes to you know an hour and a half initial meeting but you know for the most part you're you're really talking for 40 to 45 minutes really in conversation and my goal isn't to you know get everything said and done in that 40 minutes and we're done and, you know, that's the last time we we meet. It really is kind of an opening of the door to the conversation. We want to get as much kind of basic information as we can in that first meeting because I think it sets the tone. And I think also what I do in that first meeting is I really try to get a good glimpse into lots of areas, maybe on a more superficial level, that very first meeting. But I find it interesting then, you know, sometimes I meet with people for a few years and then I kind of go back and say, hey, you know, this is what we were talking about in our first visit. And and sometimes they're surprised because Mm -hmm. I think that can change so much over time. What brought them into what we end up
0: talking about or looking into, you know, two, three years down the line. So part of the evaluation is to have a conversation, to meet someone, to get a feel for them. They get a feel for you in terms of how you practice and how you're going to interact with them. I think a lot of times people also ask, what other information do you gather outside of that appointment? Do you talk to other people? How does that work?
1: So usually, I mean, before the first meeting, We have some just very basic information about, you know, what's bringing you in and maybe some previous psychiatric experience and things like that. I think outside, I mean, a lot is done in that meeting, right? In that first meeting and then subsequent meetings. I think if, for example, you have a a therapist that you're meeting with and let's say the therapist referred you or encouraged you to come see a psychiatrist, I absolutely want to hear from them. So I will often contact that therapist, of course, with the patient's permission and just get a sense of what you're working on there. I will ask the patient also, you know, what are you you working on in therapy? And then I definitely like to connect not only with the therapist, but if the patient has a primary care doctor or other doctors that are involved in their care, I really, I have a very strong interest in that collaborative care approach, which is, you know, I think, you know, my area of expertise is psychiatry and I'm not going to pretend that I do, you know, all sorts of other specialties, but that's why I think it's very important to be connected with other people that, so you sort of have a team, you're, you're, you're in the center of that team, you know, you're really guiding it and whatever you brought in and, and whatever you're trying to handle is what we're focusing on. But then you've got your team, you've got your psychiatrist, you've got your therapist, you've got your primary care doctor, hopefully. And when I say connect, I mean, we, we aren't always able to have a conversation, let's say with a primary care doctor, but we definitely will communicate, you know, we might get records or whatever report they had from the last time that you visited. Very often on the first visit, if you don't have a primary care doctor, that's something that we talk about. I, I usually encourage you to find one because even if you're, you know, hopefully a young and healthy person, you know, it's important to have sort of a baseline because, sometimes there are other areas that are influencing your, your psychiatric presentation, right. Um, you know, the classic example is right. Thyroid hormone changes can kind of make you feel more anxious if that's not where it should be, or more depressed, if that's not where it should be, or if you have some anemia, you know, that can contribute to to low energy and fatigue and depression and Often people I see those are not the only things. It's not that we say we fix that and then all the other psychiatric issues are, are completely resolved, but we want to know, you know, are there things that we can address fairly simply and quickly and easily that are gonna make it that much easier to address, you know, whatever else might be going on.
0: Right, and the other question I have is what people sometimes ask. Well, where do my family members or partners come in? When when do you incorporate them in your information gathering? I really
1: like to involve them. I mean, I think again, it you know, my patients know that I don't give a lot of like yes no. Answers because it, a, a lot of this is a discussion and it really depends on on the person that is in front of me, right? So, you know, usually the that first meeting is is just with with the patient, right? But I usually will encourage somebody to you know give me permission to communicate with their family members because it is the social component and what your social environment is 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 such a big part of how you're doing how you get better right? And I think particularly with things like depression and anxiety, commonly people feel it's very hard to connect with their social environment. And as much as they might want to talk with them and interact with them, they isolate themselves and they feel more lonely and that they feel more lonely in their depression or in their anxiety. And sometimes it takes a little encouragement from the psychiatrist or other people involved in their care to kind of Include these other people in their lives, and that it's a very important part of of making changes.
0: Right, right. This is a little bit separate conversation, but I always think when we work a lot with pregnancy, that's something when we're deciding, you know, how to treat someone who's pregnant with mental health difficulties. Oftentimes, the partner really does want to be involved in that
1: absolutely i mean i think it goes back to what we were saying before you know you sort of have your team and i think part of that team is are other people that are involved in your in your life
0: that you trust and that you
1: care about. about that you trust absolutely and i think you know on one hand i think when you see a psychiatrist I think one of the benefits of seeing a psychiatrist, right, is that they are not a family member or they're not, they're not personally involved in your life in that way. So there's a little more objectivity to it, right? Some people feel more comfortable in that, in that respect, but that doesn't replace right, people in your life that, that know you and have that other connection. So I think that support is very important to have. Even if just somebody knows that you're seeing a psychiatrist, it doesn't always mean that we have to have a family meeting, although we can, right? But sometimes just letting somebody know that you're seeking some treatment can open that conversation a little bit, especially, you know, not everybody is used to talking about mental health. And and so sometimes I, I find that family members or other people involved in someone's care they want to help they want to be part of it they want to be supportive but they're not sure how and that's going to depend i think also on the situation so you know, sometimes family members bring sometimes a family member or or somebody a friend is is really the reason that somebody made an appointment yeah right? so sometimes they want to be involved in the first in the first visit and that that's okay also.
0: So we're talking about gathering information, where to gather information from, primarily from the individual, but drawing from all these other people under their umbrella of care and treatment. So maybe if we move forward and thinking about, okay, so you go you see a psychiatrist, what decisions are made in that first visit, usually? Good question.
1: So again, it de- I would say it depends, right? But what we're looking at, you know, in that very first visit is, you know, it is, as much as it's an open conversation, it's a bit of a directed conversation. It's still a medical visit. I'm finding out what brought you in, what symptoms brought you in. And that helps to categorize where you might fall as far as diagnoses. So, I think some people are surprised that we give a diagnosis in the first visit, right? We call it a working diagnosis because that can change. And the reason to give those diagnoses is it's really a scaffolding. I think it creates a plan. So, the decisions that are being made are sort of what are the kind of the big, big categories that are influencing what brings you in and what's going to influence your treatment. And the reason for giving a diagnosis is really it directs what medications we might recommend. If somebody is not in therapy yet, what type of therapy might be most beneficial. And that's the reason for having sort of an individualized approach. It's not always the same for every single person, right? That's why we can't just look at a piece of paper and say, these are the symptoms and this is exactly what you need is. It doesn't always work that way. There's other factors that are involved, but we give a diagnosis to have that basic scaffolding, you know, is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it bipolar disorder? Because the medications that we give, you know, there are some medications that we give very commonly for depression, anxiety, the SSRIs, but somebody might've tried a few different SSRIs and had side effects that were not tolerable for them. Or if there's some symptoms of bipolar disorder, for example, we have to Kind of change our strategy and our approach because we we know that there are certain medicines that are going to be more effective for mm-hmm. that, and for somebody with bipolar disorder, for example, right? We know that some medications might make that worse, so we have to we have to have some of that basic information. You know, we want to know what prior medications have has somebody been on, and the decisions that are made. You know, I would say. Again, it sort of depends on what brought the person in initially. By the end of that first visit, we want to have a sense of, do medications play a role? We want to have some idea of, of that decision. It doesn't mean that you have to leave the office with a prescription in hand and, and be starting medication you know tomorrow, unless that's something that we decide together would be a value. But I think when you come to see a psychiatrist... You know, it doesn't mean that everybody gets medication, but it's part of the discussion. It's part of the discussion of, okay, you know, medication would really be uh, helpful here, I think, for these, for X, Y, and Z reason. Or you you may be able to hold off on this a bit longer, or this is the role it could play.
0: Or kind of this idea of, okay, medications could be possible, but here are some other options in terms of other treatments, right? It's not just this is the medication and that's the only treatment. This discussion has to do with all kind of the umbrella of all different types of treatments that are available too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think... I would say generally therapy plays a role, right? That combination of medication and therapy usually play a role. And again, depending on, you know, often people will come to me already having a therapist. So then what role can medication Mm -hmm. play? And I think part of it in that initial visit is not just the information that I'm getting about my patient coming in, but also giving information about What is medication? What can it do? What are the side effects? Because I think just that knowledge is very helpful, right? I mean, people, we all know, you know, you can find out lots of information without seeing a psychiatrist. But I think it's helpful to know in your particular context and situation what might be a recommendation. And so sometimes you might end that first visit with just these are the recommendations have some time to think about it. I think that first visit can be a bit overwhelming because we do ask a lot of questions or I do as a psychiatrist, right? I'm asking about lots of previous history and sometimes that does, it naturally will bring up some emotion, right? So sometimes depending on the situation, The person may not be ready to hear all about the ins and outs of the medication. So sometimes it's about, look, I think this might be helpful. Let's talk on our next visit about how you feel about it.
0: Yeah. And it gives them time to discuss with people who they trust, right? Maybe a family member, maybe their therapist, right? Right. And between those visits, I've noticed, I just did it today that you would reach out to the therapist and say, this is what we discussed. These are the options we discussed. If you feel comfortable, please continue to have that conversation with them because they might need help kind of teasing through what they want to do.
1: Absolutely. And I, and I think that's a big part of those initial visits, not just that first visit is just continuing to talk about that decision. So I think, I would say there's not so many decisions, I guess, that are made in that very first visit, because again, it depends, right? But, but if it's the first time you're even talking about medication or thinking about medication, it's a big decision to make. Right. So sometimes that takes a few visits to talk through or it's starting it fairly soon, depending on how open someone feels to it. And then being supportive as they as they're going through that process. Right.
0: I will say I think there is a there is a high percentage of people that come through our doors who because they made the appointment, they have decided I am suffering enough. I need something. I need to start something right away. And so I think you kind of make this distinction between someone who comes in just being curious about, okay, how could this be helpful? I'm hesitant about it. I want to take it slow. And then there's this other group of people who say, look, I've thought about it. I've talked to my therapist about it. I really need to get started because I'm suffering right now. Sure. And
1: then it's a little bit of a different approach, right? We Mm -hmm. still gather all the information because- that's very important to, to fine tune that. But but then we spend much more time about the logistics of it. This is how you start it. This is how we increase it. These are the side effects you might experience. And it's a little bit of a different conversation, but that happens yeah. also, right? Maybe somebody has been thinking about, I think that that kind of leads to the question of sort of what what led you to make that appointment, which can be different.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, a question that was just asked to me yesterday, a few times during initial visits was, well, okay, we're going to start medication, but do I see you again? How do you even know how to increase my meds? How do you even know that? So I guess my question is how do you answer those questions?
1: Right. Yeah. I get that question fairly often. So Yeah, I think it is, it's an interesting field that that we're in, I think, as far as psychiatry, because while we're focusing on the medication, again, it depends on that person and what, what symptoms we're looking at. So this will vary depending on what psychiatrist you see, I guess, is there are different ways to kind of evaluate if something is working or how something is working. And so you can look at scales, right? You can look at, you know, PHQ-9, which is a look at, you know, your symptoms of depression or your GAD-7, or, you know, which tells you exactly which anxiety symptoms you're experiencing and you get a number and you can check that number over time as you're on a medication. I like to do that, but I also really like in our ongoing conversations together with my patients is to get a sense of for them, right? What is, does it mean, you know, I am just not feeling super interested in playing with my kids. And I used to be right. Like we used to just like roll around on the floor and like play around. And I just, as that's changing, they kind of say, Hey, I'm feeling that again, that's coming back again, but that might be very different for somebody else. Right. And so I like to get those kind of very personal, what is it for you?
0: That reminds me, when I do my visits with people, I say, what are your realistic goals here in terms of these expectations of what you can get from the medication? And then I go back to that, what I wrote during that first visit. And I say, okay, these were the goals. Like, where are we in that process?
1: Yeah. I think looking at that very specifically is, is important because I think especially often people are sort of in more of a crisis situation when they, if they're coming in saying, yes, I've been thinking about this. I'm suffering. I want to start medication now is how are we measuring that, right? What are we looking at for you to be getting better for some people that happens fairly quickly. And for some people it's a slower process or it may not be a linear process. That's right? an important one. Yeah you know, people like maybe be doing like really well and then something happens and then they kind of go, oh, but I thought I was doing, you know, everything was fine. And, but right. That generally, right. I don't know how, what your experience has been, but it, it's a little bit more of a circuitous.
0: <laughs> I know. And people right. often get disappointed. They are like, I thought I was doing well, but then I had this setback. But what I like to also say is, but is the trend positive? And if the overall trend is positive, that's really what we're looking for. right? So, you know, I want to make sure that we we keep the listener listening, but I think we actually did a fairly good job of kind of maybe trying to demystify the psychiatric process, especially that first visit for the listener, I hope, in terms of people maybe thinking about seeing a psychiatrist, but not really sure what that means and what that would look like, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's, it's really a, a conversation, a meeting, I think. I would say even just going through some questions and answers, what brought you in today? How are you feeling? What's been happening in the last few weeks? Sometimes, I mean, depending on, you know, often people make an appointment, you know, weeks before the appointment and what made them schedule the appointment feels different now Mm -hmm. for better or worse, right? So maybe three weeks ago when they made the appointment or whatever the situation is, they felt a certain way and they feel differently. So what, you know, what's happening now, what's happening in the last few days. Right. right. And then as much as there is, again, there's some the question and answer format to it. Part of it is, you know, just getting to talk through this in a structured way. People find that helpful. Sometimes the, a little bit of a relief. Oh, I've talked to somebody we have a plan
0: mm-hmm.
1: right right even if right you're not starting medication that day, let's say, or maybe you do, but right not in the, in the office or we know it takes some weeks for for medications to start working if they're gonna work and you know, but I think there can be some relief in just having a, a plan.
0: I totally agree, yeah, and you had actually brought up initially in the beginning of our talk today people kind of saying maybe that was easier than I thought. Right. And people kind of are scared of like, what's it going to be? I'm going to meet this psychiatrist and I have to tell them everything and I don't really know them and it feels really scary. And I often think that the best compliment I could get is at the end of that initial interview for someone to say that was so much easier than I thought.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. There's, there's a lot of understandably, right? There's fear about seeking treatment in the first place, right? What's it going to be like? What does it mean that I'm doing this? Right. And I, I think it takes a lot of courage because when you're not feeling well, oftentimes, as far as mood or anxiety symptoms, one way of coping is to av- avoid that right so so just the fact that you made an appointment and that you're coming to see somebody even just doing that is is a huge step right and then usually i think in those first few minutes you can have a little bit of relief of okay i'm here i did that
0: mm-hmm. right Yeah. And kind of feeling that someone else can kind of carry that load and share that load a little bit with you and at least understand what you're going through. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful that we were able to have this conversation. I think it's going to be helpful for the listener and people who are debating whether or not they should see a psychiatrist. And I hope we maybe made it seem like a little bit easier than they than they expect. And the goal is to make people feel better and improve their quality of life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm glad we
0: have this conversation too. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. This has been Mind Stories. With remote appointments in California and nine offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe.